This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Friday, September 14th, 2018, and my guest is Jose Andrade. Hi, how are you, Jose? Hello, Miriam. Good to be here with you. I know it's been a while since we've talked, even. Oh, it's probably been several years. Oh, yeah. Uh, in case you guys don't know the audience, uh, Jose worked with me at Engadget uh, back in the day. And so I was like, who is a very good analyst in terms of has a good pulse, uh, finger on the pulse of mobile that I should talk to? That's not maybe a person that you guys listen to and know. And, and Jose came up. And so there we are, right? Apple happened this week. It's a big week in the industry. And I'm sure you have tons of opinions. Oh, absolutely. No, super exciting. Every, every time there is an Apple event, I get all like, giddy. I am a huge Apple fan, but I am not a fanboy. So right. yeah. I'm the same. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not an iOS user. I'm a Mac user. So I really do enjoy, uh, you know, a good... Uh, What's it's, what, what would I say? I, I enjoy a good Apple product, but I wouldn't say that I'm head over heels on iPhones, but I do think that they're obviously signi super significant to the mobile space. And that's why we want to spend an entire show, I'm warning you, mostly an entire show talking about the new iPhones that were launched on Wednesday this week. So Jose, what's your initial take? Like just three or four words, maybe a sentence to summarize how you feel emotionally about this yeah so, so as you say you're super excited I, every time there's an iphone announcement i get super excited i, I am not an iphone user a hundred percent of the time also i moved to android a couple of years ago uh, but uh my impression was that it was it was a good announcement a good event good devices but not good enough for me okay so what are the initial things that immediately make you go no not oh, good the, enough for the me. price, absolutely. Now the, okay. the, the, the higher end went up to $1,100. That is crazy. That is pretty damn high. I agree with you. Um, but that's the direction that the industry has been taking. And I think Apple has been driving the industry in that direction because as they're selling less phones, they want to be, um, you know, having higher profit margins. It makes perfect sense to me. And, you know, people are going to do it anyway. Absolutely. Apple is going to push the market to wherever the market wants to go. If people keep buying the $1,100, $1,400 phones, people are going to keep making them. So I don't blame Apple as a company for trying to make more money. What I do blame is the consumers that we are supporting this type of, of move to higher and more expensive phones that really don't offer that much more than a cheaper phone. Right. So what you're suggesting basically right now is you're saying we should also buy, stop buying iPhones and look at the Android options out there because there are many that are really actually very compelling. And we can talk about some of the alternatives because I think there are some folks on this podcast who are probably iPhone users who are in the same boat as you are kind of like, you know, I think I need to move on. So let's make some suggestions maybe later in the show. But I agree with you. Pricing is egregious. Um I feel that I just can't blame Apple though, because I can totally see how they're manipulating the 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 situation. They they're selling less phones, they can demand a higher profit margin, so they're demanding it. And they know that they're gonna drop a few people, but I think overall it's still a status symbol. And they've got people locked in with iMessage and other features. So I think 
they can it's for better or for worse i know it's not right but i think they're doing it because they can it's the same reason and we can discuss this why they remove the headphone jack adapter and the headphone jack in the first place because I, I am, they can i am completely with you apple can and apple will do it apple is a company it is the highest market cap in the in the world right now i believe uh so apple is going to do whatever is better for their shareholders they they work for the shareholders uh, so I don't I don't blame Apple at all completely, uh, and Apple will continue to do this type of things. Um, actually, I do want to clarify one thing really quick. I do work for Google. I don't work on the Pixel phones or on Android. I work on Google Cloud. But everything I say on the podcast is going to come from me. I don't represent Google because I am going to be suggesting some Android options. Yes. Of course. And I want to make sure everybody understands that, yes, uh, Jose works for Google, but nothing to do with phone. There's no conflict of interest here. Um, this is really more a philosophical discussion on operating systems and on ecosystems and on hardware. Uh, and, and philosophical probably is a bit much, but I mean, uh, a preference, right? Uh, price is a huge part of the decision-making process when buying a mobile device. So, that is definitely the first thing. What other things, is there anything else than price that is making you pause? Um, yeah, not, not me precisely, but I do, I will like a smaller size phone. Uh, people have complained that the SE is not an option anymore, that the cheaper phone is the iPhone 7. And I do, I do see a, a space for a smaller phone. Um, I like to use my phone in one hand. Uh, for a while, I was using the, the iPhones Plus, uh, and then I decided that, no, I don't want to use my phone with two hands. I want to use it with one hand, and, and my hands, even though they're not big, they're not the smallest. Uh, so a smaller version of a phone uh, will be fantastic. Right, and and I think that's, that's actually uh, another thing we should definitely talk about. I am very disappointed that they dropped... Well, no, let me say, I'm disappointed that for the time being, there is no small iPhone. That, that's what I would like to, I, I have hope that they will make an updated smaller phone at some point. Because really? demand, yeah, because demand will be high. I think that of all the phone users in the world, the, uh, the iPhone users are the ones who want a smaller screen the most. Because a lot of them are coming from a smaller screen. I mean... My spouse is a, has an iPhone SE, uh, and they don't want to use anything bigger than that, right? Physically. Yeah, now, but I, I imagine, don't see Apple going back to that. In, I don't no, see but it. that's not going back. Imagine you make a chassis the same size as the iPhone SE, and you put a full screen display on there. That's an uh, appealing proposition to a lot of people. There's nothing that. stopping Apple from doing that if the demand is there. So I think it's our job, and you, the customer to say to Apple, hey, this is what I want. This is what I need. Let's make it happen. I hope that's the case because there's definitely a need in there, especially for older people. Older people don't want a really big phone. They do want big fonts, big icons, e easy to use phones. And I, and I believe, I really do believe that iPhones are way easier to use than Android. So for older folks, iPhones are better and smaller iPhones are better. I agree. I actually feel that I recommend the iPhone to a lot of people because it's just super simple to use. And I do feel that Android doesn't have enough of unified experience across the platform, across the multiple devices to be able to say, hey, you know, this is, I mean, other than the Pixel, which is kind of a standard in a way, but it's a standard that 
I don't feel that Google always makes the best decisions in usability. And and even though I prefer it and I'm used to it because I came from a Nexus universe and then I moved to the Pixel universe and it's my preference and my daily driver has always been a Nexus or a Pixel and it might continue, but I'm honestly starting to have doubts that I want to continue in that direction when I see phones like the OnePlus 6 and and other Android phones that are very, very uh, pure versions of Google, of, of Android that uh, have very little skinning and customizations because, you know, I'm just like, what do I get other than, you know, maybe the camera, which is always incredibly good on the Pixel devices. What do I get that's better for, you know, so much more money, right? Because the Pixels are pretty expensive. They're not as expensive maybe as the iPhones, but they're getting there. And, and the entire industry is using Apple's new pricing to, you know, kind of raise the price of 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 phones i mean samsung's going up there even lg you know the g7 is phenomenal phone but is it worth what it is you know sold for i i'm not convinced right so i think that's that's some of the things that we should talk about perhaps is is you know I think there is a stratification of pricing happening where there's a premium price point where the uh, the traditional flagships are sitting, but there's also kind of a, a mid-range price point for high-end phones now where the OnePlus is sitting, um, where you're really not compromising much at all. You know, I've been very critical of OnePlus in the past because I always felt that there was always something they didn't do right. And with the OnePlus 6, I feel that they've nailed it. I mean, the camera on the OnePlus 6 is a camera that I personally would feel okay using every day for the first time ever in the history of me using phones that are you know, OnePlus phones. So I think that they're improving. And and so that's kind of why I'm like, this year I'm like, I obviously will get a Pixel 3 XL as my replacement for my Pixel 2 XL. I'll mm-hmm. get a review unit from Google after the event on October 9th. But the question is, will that actually become my daily driver? I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. All right. So you touch on many points in there. Uh, and, and for example, the Pixel 2, the Pixel 2, the pictures are fantastic, but they do a lot of processing with software. And I don't know if the other companies can compete with that. Uh, I, I, we have to see the results of, of the new iPhones and how they are with pictures. But uh, my feeling is that Google has a lot more machine learning in there that I can it can take advantage of, of the experience for the picture taking. Now, I, I also care about the security of the phone, the updates that I'm going to be getting. And I feel that by Google manufacturing the phone and controlling the OS, uh, they can offer more security and more stability to the users, uh, which other manufacturers have not been able to do over time. Uh, we've seen many times that a, a manufacturer may, may drop support for a phone after two years, three years, and there's no updates, no, no high priority updates for those people. Um, so that's why uh, that that's the huge benefit that I see of Google controlling everything uh, and can compete uh, more on a one-on-one against Apple. Now, of course, we have the the European Union decision about uh, uh, Google not being fair, uh, which I, I I thought was it was completely uh, unnecessary and is actually hurting the market. Um, so yeah, th- those are my thoughts uh, in regarding to the Pixel and and the Google competition with these new these new iPhones. But on the other hand. 
Samsung has done a fantastic job. The, the, the Galaxy Note 7, the, the S9 Plus, those are great phones too. And, and Samsung has the manufacturing capacity to compete with, with Apple, which is quite interesting. Well, in fact, they're making chips for, and displays for Apple. Yeah. So, so, but I think, look, I, I agree with all that, but let's going back to the iPhones for a second. You know, pricing, let, let, so I think I'm not surprised about the pricing. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm at not at all surprised. But because basically the iPhone 10 last year redefined the premium flagship tier, which is today a tier that didn't really exist in the past. In the past, that was flagship and you paid anywhere between 600 and 800 and maybe $900 for a flagship, depending on how much memory you got. And that was that, was that right? And then, of course, you had... Uh, uh, lesser pricing, like phones that were cheaper, and you lost a lot on the on that, right? The iPhone SE is a good, it was a good phone. I don't think it is a good phone today. Like, I think the size is awesome, and yeah. I wish it had a full full screen display, like with a notch or whatever, like Apple's doing on the new phones. But honestly, you know, having played my, with Theo, my spouse's iPhone SE, I'm like, it's you can tell it's a 6S guts, right? It's getting old. It's really not that fast. It's really not that powerful. And it's going to struggle with iOS 12 when it gets updated, right? So, uh, yes, but, but also consider that you are a power user. Uh, what do most of the users do? I don't know if they are using the phones the way that we use them. And that's what I often try to think. Like what are the people actually doing with the phones, which I may not be doing? Well, but I'm I'm talking about, you know, just doing simple things on the phone, like starting apps, the delays that I'm experiencing, like, like Theo and themselves are telling me all the time, like, my phone is too slow. And I'm like, your phone is a year old, and it's got the latest OS on it. How can it be too slow? And it must be too slow for them. So yeah. they're not a power user. They're, they're just feeling the camera doesn't start fast enough and it doesn't take pictures fast enough. And, and, and I'm like, wow, okay, so you have high expectations, probably because of other people's, you know, you see other iPhones being used, like a brand new iPhone 10, and you see how fast that is, right? So, so the SC had to fall off the cliff because it, it, I don't think it's fast enough. I don't think it's good enough. And also, it wasn't part of this new world order that Apple defined with the iPhone 10, which is it didn't have the it didn't have the face ID, it didn't have the notched full full screen, it didn't have um, a lot of the technology that they expect their phones to have now. Yeah, well, and keep in mind that the seven and the eight are still current phones, and they don't have those things. Yeah, but they're. You know, they're just legacy phones designed so that Apple could make the transition to their new thing. I mean, they're just the phones that people are going to buy because they're like, I will not use Face ID and I will not. <laughs> I mean, seriously, once you use an iPhone with Face ID and the gestures, you 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 don't go back. It's like, to me, the, killing the home button is the best thing that ever happened to the iPhone. Yeah, I agree completely. The Face ID is, is a game changer. Absolutely. So... Uh, and there are other things that Apple uh, could have done before, and and because the market didn't request them, they implement these changes little by little, like uh, waterproofing the phone. Waterproofing could have been done, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, and, and it, it wasn't done until now. And dual SIMs, dual SIMs has been around for 15 years, maybe, and they just implemented those things. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, look, to, the point I'm thinking on pricing is that the other reason the iPhone SE had to fall off the cliff was because, as I said, it was, I think, antiquated hardware, 
you know, for the future of what Apple has in mind. It didn't fit into the paradigm of the new way of doing an iPhone for Apple. And it was not a profit maker anymore. And, and that's the other thing. With this transition to the iPhone 10 last year, Apple beside, basically decide we're going to not just be making flagships and mid, you know, and maybe slightly more foldable flagship that are still sold a little longer, like the iPhone 8 is still sold and the 7 is still sold. Uh, but we want to make, you know, we want to be known as a premium company, like we are known for everything else. And I think for a while there, in, in part with the SE, they had kind of, yes, they had attracted a bunch of people that could afford an iPhone at $400, but at the same time, they were deviating from their modus operandi, what they've always done, right? Yeah, but so, isn't there more money selling cheaper phones? Uh, if they really want to no, make a lot of money, they can definitely go cheaper. There isn't. Talk to any phone maker out there. Who is surviving out there selling cheap phones? Samsung isn't. That Samsung doesn't make their bread and butter on phones they sell in India. No, no, then, I'm, not, I'm not saying cheap phones. The, the $100, $200 phones, there's definitely nothing there. But on the $400 range, in this case, Apple is starting at $749. It, it's from huge. everybody I hear, nobody's making money on phones except Apple. And maybe Samsung only on the Galaxies, the premium phones. Nobody's making money making phones. OnePlus certainly isn't making money making phones. How's that Motorola doing? Well, how is Motorola doing? I, I mean, they're not having, doing having great. You know, they're, they're making great phones, but I don't think their profit margins are very high on these phones. They're relying on quantity. And, and I don't think it's... I, look at what happened to the laptop world. I mean, it, it, you know, eventually a lot of laptop companies fell off the cliff because they couldn't keep up with Apple. And now there's a few left and, you know, they undercut Apple a little bit by lowering their profit margins and that's how they survive. But if you look at it, they're surviving off the scraps of Apple, really. People buy a MacBook or, oh, I couldn't afford it, so I bought an HP. Right? Uh, yeah, yes, on the laptop side, uh, definitely. And and But I, I'm still not convinced that there's no money to be made with cheaper phones. The, the next 1 billion people, 2 billion people, they can only afford cheaper phones. And there is a lot of money to be made there. When I say money to be made, I'm talking about real Im, Im, impressive profit margin. I'm not talking about a few dollars on each phone, right? Well, you can't, there is a business model where you sell large quantities with a small profit margin, you make a lot of money and you still are very, very profitable. Yeah. But that's not the Apple way. And I think that Samsung is smart because they mix the two. They have the high volume, low profit phones, and then they have the low volume, relatively speaking, uh, high profit phones like the Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus and Note 9, right? And yeah, clearly, OnePlus made an entire business model around making phones that make very little profit. So is Xiaomi. Right? So it's possible, but the, the reason that Xiaomi and OnePlus can be so successful is because they have the entire Chinese market. Yeah, no, and I'm not going to real this because Apple... They have people buying phones, right? But the US and, and the Western world, we don't have that many people comparatively, right? Yeah, no, Apple is Apple. They, they, they've always been high-end. They're going to they're gonna try to make as much money as possible, charging a lot of money for them. If anything, what I'm, I'm really sad about is that there is no more in the environment like we don't have a windows phone anymore we don't have a blackberry os anymore there's nothing else it's either android or ios and there's nothing else and that makes me a little bit sad i wish oh, we had more options i agree with you look i'm not arguing in favor of expensive phones I, again we will i will i think we should discuss some of the phones that i recommend that are much more affordable in case you are wanting to switch but i am totally understanding where apple is coming from and going to and 
while they're in the position to be able to do what they do. And so I think what I want to do now is go beyond the pricing and kind of talk a little bit about the features and what they brought to the table. I'm very intrigued by the iPhone XR. Because even though it's a little too expensive, in my opinion, if it was $649, I think it would hit the sweet spot. But $749 is cutting the price, you know, between the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. You know, it's pretty damn high yeah. for their cheaper, quote unquote, phone, right? Um, and, and, you know, the discussion of the iPhone XR includes, again, the discussion of the iPhone SE. Because the iPhone SE had to fall off the cliff, as I said, because it's too, uh, it was too affordable. And it was also too antiquated and didn't fall into the future model of what an iPhone should be like, like in terms of user experience. Because it didn't have Face ID and it didn't have a gesture-based uh, full-screen display. So, so I was hoping the XR would be a little smaller to kind of... Not as small as a SE, but kind of taking on, like giving, throwing a bone to the people who wanted a smaller phone. Because ultimately, the iPhone 10 and 10s are slightly bigger than an iPhone 8, 7, 6s, 6. But if they were slightly, if the XR was slightly smaller than an iPhone 8, 7, 6s, 6, then I think they would have been able to probably satisfy most SE users, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, and well, my issue with the XR is a little bit different. I, I wish uh, it was a little bit better. For example, the, the screen. Why an LCD screen? Not that the screen is, is not fantastic. I haven't seen it in person, but I'm sure the LCD screen is great. But why not an LED? Was it because of supply or was it because of price? Or, or It's totally supply. I mean, the, Samsung's making all their displays and now they're making two you know, premium phones with OLED, the XS, and oh god, that sound, that name. Let's talk about <laughs> the names. I should say 10s, the 10s, and the 10s Max, XS Max. Ooh. I don't know. I'm, I'm so going to keep saying X. I, I, I uh, hate it so that they the call 10S, it 10. The 10S and 10S Max are essentially OLED displays. And think about it. If Samsung has to supply all those displays, yeah. they can't supply yet a third display for the XR. And also, you know, they were able to basically cheap on the display a little bit. I mean, look, the LCDs on the 8 blew me away. I, I, I have to admit, I have a bunch of phones that are Android phones with LCDs, including the uh, LG G7, which we mentioned before, which is one of the nicest LCDs I've ever used uh, ips lcds but the 8 if you see an iphone 8 or 8 plus that display is unreal for an lcd so if the xr has that display which i believe it does it's going to be awesome but you know they cheapened out by having a relatively meager resolution it's less than 1080p right mm -hmm. um by having uh, no uh, pressure sensitivity on it no 3d touch right yeah. which is fine because nobody uses 3d touch but i think it, it, it kind of vexes me that they they went they cut features from the S uh, the XS the 10s, but they really didn't cut you know they cut a lot of them in this display right they didn't cut a lot of them in the right places which is good processing and all that 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 phone is going to yeah. be mature for a while it's going to last two or three years on OS upgrades alone which is great for people who buy today so. That goes back to another thing that I want to say is that if you are an iPhone user today and you have an old iPhone and you don't care about the size and you can afford the 749, I think the XR is the sweet spot. The 10R is the one you should probably upgrade to because yes, you're making some compromises on the display and a little bit on the camera, but I don't think you're making any compromises in terms of the longevity of the product 
because it's going to be updated for a really long time because it's got the latest and greatest hardware, right? Yeah, it has the same A12 uh, chipset. Um, now, uh, what, what I wonder with the L LCD screen is that when, when consu the consumer goes to the store and they tell them, listen, this cheaper phone has an LCD screen, this more expensive phone has an uh, OLED screen, uh, and they're going to say, well, I want the best. And of course, the best is going to be on the most expensive one. And it's not necessarily the case. I don't think that's going to happen. First of all, there's nobody in stores that are going to talk about LCD versus OLED. People, like the salespeople in stores don't care. They're just going to try you sell the more expensive phone. All right. So let's say not the salesperson at the store, but when, when somebody's asking you and they ask you, what's the difference between the XR and the 10S? You're going to say, well, the, the screen, the LCD yeah. and the AMOLED screen. But then you look, you'll go to the store and you'll look at the screen side by side and they will be pretty much the same. Because if you look at an iPhone 8 next to an iPhone 10, I mean, the LCD is so good that I don't think you feel like you're losing out. The only thing that's really obvious between the 8 and the 10 is the screen size for the size of the chassis. And the XR, the 10R fixes that. You're now, getting full screen display. Let's mention another thing, the headphone jack. Is that important or not? And I would well, say at this I mean, point it's a, not. That's a, dead, that's a dead herring. I mean, it hasn't been on iPhones since the 7. So I think it's important. I don't want it to go away, and we're going to talk about some of the rumors of the new uh, <laughs> OnePlus in a minute, but I, I'm pissed that they removed it back then, yeah. and they're never going to bring it back, so I'm not surprised it doesn't have a headphone jack. What I think sucks, and where Apple is really, considering they're positioning themselves as a premium brand, you know, when I buy a premium car, I get all the bells and whistles, right? And now... I'm not saying they should have the headphone jack on there because I don't expect Apple to ever put it back. They want you to buy the iP the AirPods, obviously. But they took out the dongle, the adapter yeah. from the box this year for the X, the 10R, 10S, 10S Max. So that is to me, it's like, are you serious? Nine dollars? You couldn't put a nine dollar dongle in the box with your seven hundred and fifty to I think it maxed out as almost fifteen hundred dollars for the higher end version. A higher spec version of the 10s max but do people like need the, the nine dollars it doesn't matter if you need it or not it's like putting a selling you a bmw without <laughs> a with a little you know those little little plastic covers on the oh there is a thing you can have here but we you didn't tick that option box so we didn't give it to you you know like the switch covers the fit yeah, covers yeah. <laughs> on your car that's what it screams like to me it's so petty it's like I can understand. It's, it's, to me, honestly, it's up there with the lack of a fast charger. How but, can but Apple? But that is Apple. Apple is going to charge you cents for adapters. Look at look at the. the why the do they even? At that, well, well, by that reasoning, why are they still putting an adapter in the box? Everybody's got their old iPhone adapter still floating around. Why do you need a new adapter? No, no, no. So, so on the MacBook Pros, uh, you need an adapter for everything, for Ethernet, for displays, for for everything you want to oh, do. You need yeah, an adapter. I see what and you're saying. And that's what they're doing on the iPhones. No, I'm talking about the power adapter, right? So in the box, th there was a, a power adapter in the old iPhones, and there was mm -hmm. a pair of earbuds yep. uh, wired, and there was a uh, headphone adapter, right, on the latest phones. And the new phones, they removed the headphone adapter. So yep. I'm like, and, and they, all, they also, we, we thought they might upgrade the, the power charger to a, a, high, a fast charger, like a mm -hmm. high-speed charger. But they didn't. They kept the old slow-speed charger in there. Yeah. Well, and I'm so for USB-C. So, of course. But so what I'm asking you is, why, like, if you're, by that reasoning of we're not going to include the dongle, why not not include a charger? I mean, it's a shitty charger they're putting in there. 
So yeah, you already have. You need, you need a charger. Uh, you have a shitty you, charger from your last phone. If you don't have anything, phone. you need a charger. But you yeah, absolutely but you don't need a charger. You have a charger from your last iPhone and it works just fine. Yeah, but not everybody is coming from a previous iPhone. Maybe it's somebody that is okay, coming from a different just, phone. Then just put a cable in there. You, you, can, have, you can have, have a different cable. You, you can have, have a separate option, still, definitely. You know, you, you could still use the brick from your Android phone because it probably has USB Type A on it. Uh, I'm just saying, like, to me, it's kind of cheap of Apple in, in this extreme way to not put the headphone adapter in there because not everybody's using wireless and not everybody wants to use wireless. To me, it's not surprising. It's, it, it's Apple. Apple is going to save money. Si and I agree with you. In the same way as it wasn't surprising to me that they would drop the SE and that the prices would be high. But at the same time, that's one thing that's bugging me. I think they went a little too far there. You know, that's just me. Yeah. All right, so, so there's rumors about uh, the iPad uh, coming with USB-C. Uh, why don't the iPhones don't have USB-C? Oh, well, that's because MFI and they make most of their money. They don't make their money on iPad accessories. They make their money on iPhone accessories. So, and the iPads are starting to be limited, the pros in particular. They're almost, they're better than laptops, some of them oh, yeah. in terms of performance. So they're starting to be limited insofar that they cannot uh transfer data fast enough and charge fast enough through usb uh through lightning so they're going to switch to USB-C. that makes perfect sense to me but, but you see we, we keep going back to this point that apple is going to try to squeeze as much money as possible from the consumers and it doesn't feel right that's why i left the iphone well i left the iphone a long time ago i left the iphone after the first iphone <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you know, you've never been fully on an iphone i mean no i have the iphones i buy them right, right. i get review and it's because as a tech journalist i need to be able to have a point of reference i need to evaluate and i love the iphone 10 i think it's a phenomenal phone the reason i love the iphone 10 is that it was the first iphone in a long time that felt like an Android phone, in the sense that it included <laughs> all the modern technologies. It had a full screen display. The notch was a little bit weird, but everybody's doing it now and everybody's used to it. Oh, I hate it. It had, you know, it 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 really pushed the envelope. I felt that with the up to the iPhone 7, from the iPhone, I like the to me there are some milestone iPhones. The original is a milestone, the four is a milestone, yeah. right? The yeah. four brought retina display, glass sandwich. It, you know, stainless steel body, like it brought so many technologies that are back now, like the iPhone X, XS, XS Max are stainless steel glass sandwiches, right? Yeah. So the iPhone 4 and then the, um, the 5S because the 5S introduced uh, Touch ID. And until then, Android had tried for a while to give us fingerprint readers and it sucked. It was terrible. It didn't <laughs> work. And we didn't use it. And then Apple did it and it was reliable and it worked. And then the entire, it, they dragged the entire industry kicking and screaming towards fingerprint identification and, and it changed the security for our phones. Do you remember how insecure our phones used to be? It was I didn't even use a passcode on my phone for the longest oh, time. Oh, yeah. No, no, that was, that was a completely second was thought. A people, people refuse to put a passcode because it's too slow. Exactly. And you can't use so, it. so the fingerprint reader solved a lot of problems and Apple did it right. And that's why the 5S wins, in my opinion. It, it, in other ways, the 5S is a very boring phone. But to me, when they did the 6 and 6 Plus, finally, I was like, big screen phones from Apple. This is a good, this is a step in the right direction. My biggest issue at that point with iPhones wasn't so much that they were, uh, you know, kind of behind a little bit other than the Touch ID, but it was that they, I couldn't use them. Like, they were, like, my fingers are too big. I had, by that point, Android phones all had big screens and I couldn't really use an iPhone. So I was very happy when they did the 6 and the 6 Plus. But after that, 
six, you know, six S, six S plus, seven, seven plus, eight, eight plus. To me, those are evolutionary phones. There's nothing there. In fact, if you look at an iPhone, if, if you've used any modern Android phone that is full screen and has a notch, or even full screen without a notch, there's a few of them, or if you use an iPhone X or maybe a 10S and 10S Max or 10R, these, all these phones, after you use those for a little while, I can guarantee you they're you back to an iPhone with a home button, and it feels like you're going back a decade. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love the iPhone after, uh, after the 6, I believe, the 6 Plus. So it, it hasn't been that long for me. I am relatively new to Android, even though I've been testing Android phones for, for forever, since the, the G1, maybe. Uh, so, so, But I, I, I do like iPhones quite a bit, uh, but I just got really, really upset that the, the iPhone 10 increased the price of the phone so much, and that's why I left. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And, and, and I mean, I feel like... I, I didn't I left a long time ago simply because I didn't like the OS and I feel that iOS has gotten way way better and I think 11 was very good although not quite good enough for me to switch back uh, 12 hopefully but I'm not planning to switch back because Android gives me way more flexibility um, and a flexibility in every way not just in use in user experience but in software in hardware choices etc but so I've always been an Android user and that's not going to change but I do appreciate what Apple's trying to do mm-hmm. and I feel that the iPhone 10 was worth its price in the sense that they really pushed the envelope now that also gave them a reason to make things way more expensive and for 749 yeah. you know I think the 10R is a good phone but they're cutting definitely cutting corners on the display and but i love the colors and i think it's going to be a very popular iphone i think that um a lot of people who held off on the 10 last year are going to buy the 10r this year and the 10s and the 10s max are going to be bought by the hardcore apple early adopters who were on a contract stuck last year and couldn't buy an iphone 10 last year you know what i'm saying is that still around? Are people still in contracts? I find it hard. Oh, to there's a lot of people. I don't understand why. Don't ex- don't, <laughs> don't ask me. I I have people who listen to this podcast. Wonderful folks who are super smart. Who for whatever reason, and honestly, I can't argue with them because I'm not them. So they have a reason, and that reason could be a family plan. That reason could be their employees paying for it. Their reason could be all kinds of things. It's not for me to judge. I do not understand it. Yeah, I no, do no, not understand contracts. I no. do not understand it. And but if that's the world you live in, and you couldn't buy an iPhone 10 next year, and you're a hardcore Apple fan, you're going to buy a 10s and a 10s or a 10s Max. And the 10s Max is really interesting because it brings. It's a phone that's smaller than the Note, uh, slightly smaller than the Note 9, and yeah. has even a bigger screen than a Note 9. Yeah, so, about point one inches. It's not that one, but I mean, my point yeah. is, it's interesting. It's it's interesting that Apple's gone to that size. I really didn't think they were going to go that big. You know, I really yeah. thought that they would keep the iPhone XS the same, and that they did that. Then I thought the iPhone XS. Uh, I was I thought they were going to call it the iPhone XL for large, XS for small, XL for large, or even just call iPhone XS both of them. And then there's you know like like the MacBook Pro has a 13 inch and a 15 inch, and we'd have two versions. Yeah. And uh, they kind of did that except for the names. I mean seriously, it's I I think Steve Jobs is turning in his grave <laughs> with these names like. <laughs> What are these names, Jose? How yeah, do you that's feel terrible. about these names? No, no, the names are terrible. Why couldn't they come up with something better than that? That is, that is like the most. Uh, I, they, they had an engineer name these things. It's terrible. 10s makes sense because it's s added on. It's you know, it's a TikTok thing, right? The TikTok year. This is the talk. The tick was a ten. 
Talk is 10S. Got it. Now, Maybe. 10S, I would have, I would have just call it either 10L or the 10S and, you know, they comes in two sizes. And I would probably have made it like not that much bigger, like 6.2 instead of 6.5. Um, but that's just me. And then, and then yeah. the 10R, I think it's called R for Redux. You know, it's kind of like in many ways, it's, it's both a reduced 10. So Redux doesn't mean reduced, but it does mean, you know, a revisited. And so they're revisiting what they've done in the past, which is like, I think with the iPhone 5S and 5C, the 5C was a, you know, kind of cheaper, lower content 5S and came out with all the colors at the same time. And I think to me, the 10R feels kind of the same. It's slightly more affordable. It has all the colors. It's a little despect. Uh, not as despect as the 5C was to the 5S. But that's why I think R stands for Redux. Yeah, that's maybe. my theory. Um, now, I did tell you something, though. I, I may go back to the iPhone, and not because of the iPhone, but because of the watch. The watch does have some new options that are, like, fantastic. It's true. Let's, let's reserve that conversation for in a few minutes. I just want to wrap up on the phones. So basically, to me, I think that the 10S Max is interesting because... I think a lot of people want large phones, but it's too almost feels too large to me. The Note Nine is too large. I think I that's why I was expecting this to be a six point two or whatever. That basically the size that they made the ten R display is what I was expecting the ten S Max to be, and then I was expecting the ten R to be not as small as an iPhone SE chassis wise, but smaller than an iPhone ten, smaller than iPhone eight with a big screen with like a 5.6, you know, 5.6, 5.8, and 6.2 is what I was expecting. Instead, we got 5.8, 6.1 for the R, and 6.5, which yeah. is really weird. Now, the question is, who is using the, the Note 9? Uh, in my experience, uh, I come from academia, and a lot of the, the PI, the, the researchers, they like big screens so they can read a lot of uh, papers and stuff. So, so I don't know, in your experience, who is using the Note 9? Look, the only people I know who use a Note 9 are people that are giants. There are people <laughs> that stand seven feet tall and have hands that are the size of my head, and they need a big phone, and I understand that. No, I'm just joking. I think there are a lot of people <laughs> who use a Note 9. Um, there's two categories, three categories of people who use a Note 9. People with large hands, for sure. There's also people that like the stylus and the S Pen that have been with the Note you know, for years, right? Mm -hmm. That they've been there since maybe the first or second gen note, and they really love the use cases around the S Pen. And good for them. I think that it's not for me. I never use the S Pen on my notes, uh, review units, but I appreciate it's there. I think it's an interesting uh, twist. Um, and then I think the third, um, the third buyer is the buyer who wants the kitchen sink, right? Everything but in the in the kitchen sink, and they get they get that in the Note Nine. I mean, you cannot. You cannot argue that for better or for worse, Samsung with the Note, especially this year's Note 9, has put absolutely every bit of technology possible oh, yeah. in a phone. It's remarkable. I, by the way, I, for those of you following at home who've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I, I just came back from Burning Man. I spent three weeks there, so I did some pre-recorded podcasts. I hope they were interesting. Last week's was with Jaime Rivera of Pocket Now. That was not pre-recorded. That was a recap of IFA. But... You're probably wondering, when am I getting my Note 9 review unit? Because it's been out for a while. 
Well, I got it finally. I was waiting to come back from Burning Man to ask them to send me one because there's nothing I can do while I'm traveling that they can send it to me. So I have one here. It's the purple one, the pink one. Watch my unboxing video on the YouTube channel. I'll link the below. The, but but it's it's exactly what I was expected. It's it's a massive phone that's still relatively compact for its uh, size screen because it's got few bezels and it has every feature you can imagine on it. It's amazing. Yeah. So so which phone is going to sell a lot more, the, X, the 10s Max or the 10s? I think the 10s this time. In the past, I would have said the Plus phones because 5.5 inches, you needed that real estate, right? But now you're getting you're getting 5.8 inches on on the on the 10 10s. Why would you even care about getting bigger than that? Yeah, I'm with you. I honestly, that's what I'm telling you. I don't understand the 6.5 inches. I think it's completely insane. I don't think you need that on an iPhone, especially not on an iPhone. I think that should have done maybe a 6.2 inch one that's slightly bigger. And they should have differentiated in other ways than the size. There's only the size that's different. They both have the same camera system in the past. You know, the the 10 bigger, the bigger phone always give you something extra, right? Like a dual camera or something. And battery life is the other reason I see people buying that phone, right? More battery life. That's all yeah. one of the reasons, one of the number one reasons I hear people buying a Galaxy S9 Plus or the Note 9 versus the smaller phones is they want more battery. So I don't know. I think it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. I think, I think that for me, it's a tough sell. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm going to be paying attention, definitely. I want to I wanna wait until I see the first Tengas Max uh, uh, outside of, of the I hear that it's sphere. not... I mean, I have a Note 9 here in front of me, and it's slightly smaller than that, so it's actually not that huge. It's just mm -hmm. not... It just seems overkill to me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's $100 more base price, too. Like, So maxed out, it's like $1,500 or yeah, 1460 no, or something. Wow. I yeah, mean, some people saying that the phone is more expensive than their car. And, and that, that is true. My, my car is probably about $2,000, so it's almost there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. But the Note is also very expensive. So, you know, um, anyway, I mean, look, I am ex this is again a talk TikTok, you know, it's like a, it's the odd year. It's, it's the X, the 10R, the XR is the interesting phone to me. I, I, I wish it was $100 cheaper. At that price, I think I could totally, wholeheartedly say, go get one if you need to upgrade your iPhone. Um, at this 749, it's a little mm. tough to, uh, because if you can afford 749, you can probably stretch, especially on contract. And since a lot of you are on contract, you can probably stretch to 999. And, and then I would get an iPhone 10 for the dual camera, uh, sorry, 10s, uh, because the dual camera system, I've used it on the 10, is amazing. And they've added new features. There's a, a smart HDR, which sounds a lot like the AI-based HDR that uh, some of the Android phones are doing, especially the Pixel. Yep. Uh, and and they have a, a new, um, uh, another new feature. What was it? I can't uh, remember. Being able right to now. control the focus. The, oh, finally. The well, that's nothing new because everybody on Android world has been doing it. Not the Pixel, but the, the Samsung phones have been doing it. The uh, Huawei has been doing it for a really long time on their phones. Uh, it's a welcome thing to be able to edit the uh, bokeh after the fact. Yeah. In fact, I wish you could do it during shoot as well, like the Samsungs let you do. But hey, look, these features I feel will come to the 10 simply because they're software features at this point. So maybe they're driven by the Bionic chip, but I honestly think that even if it takes a little longer to process the image, I would be happy to see this happen, uh, you know, to see some of these features uh, carry on to the, to the existing 10 uh, once iOS 12 rolls around. So let's see. They haven't mentioned anything about whether these features will come. But other than that, Jose, 
the chip is obviously super fast. It's the first yes. seven nanometer chip on the market, which is really it's exciting, crazy. which means Samsung is going to make seven nanometer chips, which also means to me that the next Snapdragon chip from Qualcomm, which is also made by Samsung, will be seven nanometers because uh, they have the fab, so they can do it. Um, yeah. I mean, other than that, what, what else is, is there about this, these phones? I mean, am I missing anything like feature-wise? No. I mean, that's it. No, right? no, nothing else. But I mean, what they're capable of doing now, especially with AR, I keep waiting for, for the year of AR. It's still, we're still not there, uh, but I think that we're getting closer. We're going to be able to do more exciting things with AR, and that's what the, the, the chipset is, is going to be able to do. So when you are trying to buy furniture that you can put the furniture in your house, uh, those AR games look fantastic, but they're still not popular enough. So I'm thinking that we're still, it may be that this is the time that we're getting to the AR year, hopefully. Yeah, so um, I I agree. I mean, AR is baked in now. You don't need a special phone for it. Um, I, you know, remember on Tango, you needed a special phone not too long ago. I'm yeah. glad that, you know, and Apple's definitely driving that hard. Google with the new Pixels uh, last year and this year is going to be driving that hard. I'm excited to see that you can do it on any, basically any current phone, as it were. That That's cool. Um, but you, you touched on the watch. So let's talk about the Apple Watch Series 4. I'm not an app. I'm not an Apple Watch fan for only a single reason. First of all, I'm not an iPhone user, so it doesn't make mm -hmm. much sense to have an Apple Watch. I'd much rather have an, uh, a Wear OS watch, uh, which is what I have. Um, and actually, I'm getting one of Samsung's uh, Galaxy uh, watches. So I'm going to be using Tizen for the first time. Oh, wow. Me. And I'm going to let you all know in the podcast what I think. I've heard lots of really good things about the Samsung Tizen watches uh, since the Gear S2. Yep. Uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, so... To me, the reason I don't wear an Apple Watch and they still haven't solved this problem is two things. One is a serious concern and the other one is completely, f f you know, me being a, a, a princess. The first, the first one is that the display is not always on. I cannot, to me, a watch, it's, it has one fundamental purpose in the universe. And that's that it tells the time at all time. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and but I did not on. like that. These are not watches anymore. No, no, but, but, They're but, but, computers. Let me, finish, let, me, let, me, let me finish. <laughs> In the days of the early digital quartz watches that uses LED that used LED segments, they also had to push. You also had to push a button to read the time until they get to LCDs, which were more power efficient. I understand what Apple's trying to do here. It's power management's a big part of it, but actually I'll tell you what the biggest reason is that, that they don't have an always on display. And I know this from being a Wear OS user that has a whole bunch of Wear OS watches with OLED that I have set to always on. Mm -hmm. It's that it wears out the OLED. I have had my Huawei Watch 1, which was the best Android Wear at the time watch that I ever used. It, it wore, the display wore in one year with me having the always-on display. Battery life wasn't a problem. It lasted two days on a charge with the always-on display. That wasn't a problem. I'm sure Apple can make their watch with the always-on display and last just as good on battery. Uh, but it's the display. It's killing the display. It, it kills your display after a year or two. So that's why Apple's not doing it. And I get it. But to me, that I can't have a watch that if it's sitting on the table pointing at me and I'm in my bed and I can't reach the watch. If I can't read the time on it, it's not a watch. But, but you don't need that. You don't need the always on display because it senses when you move your hand and it shows you the time. It doesn't work. It, it's, I, no, I, it, it's a watch. It has to have, that's my opinion. The <laughs> other thing, the other thing, and that's a petty thing, the, the princessy thing is that I don't like square watches. 
I'm kind of with you on that. I, I I am not fully on board with the screw watches, and I don't I don't use a watch. I haven't had a watch in the past probably 30 years or something. Uh, but now I'm considering it because of the health aspects of 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 uh, the Apple Watch, especially the electrocardiogram. That I oh, think is fantastic. That's very interesting. Yeah. Look, the Apple Watch. I, I want to also say that my reasons for not having an Apple Watch because I'm not an iOS user because it's not always on because I don't like square watches. It doesn't mean that the I, I do believe the Apple Watch is the best smartwatch on the market by a long shot. I do believe Apple nailed it. There's a lot of features on the existing old watches that are amazing. They have the best power management. They have the best uh, cellular implementation, all that. And as you just said, the AKG feature, which hasn't been turned on yet, uh, but will be is a milestone forward. I have, oh, yeah. you know, uh, I have uh, traditionally in my family heart, a lot of uh, heart disease issues. Yeah. And so I monitor my heart health, you know, very carefully and I don't have any issues, but um, having a watch that I could wear that lets me do an EKG from time to time or ECG, sorry, from time to time, I would totally on board with that. That's, that's a huge step forward. You know, and I wonder if that's going to be the feature that is going to completely differentiate the, the Apple Watch from any other any other watch. I mean, right now the Apple Watch is the most sold watch anyway. Uh, we do have the the Android uh, event October nine, so we'll see what what uh, Google has. I do know some things that I can't mention, uh, but but for me the Apple Watch right now is definitely the leader and maybe the device that brings me back to to the iPhone definitely. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that they stretch the display to the corners. I mean, it, it's thinner. I mean, it's a, definitely a step forward. Until now, they didn't really evolve the Apple Watch design very much. And I like the direction they're taking with this new design. I also like the fall detection feature, which is obviously a lot of software and a bit of hardware as well. Um, you know, that's cool. You know, yeah. even the best of us that are skilled and have good balance and are young, uh, sometimes step on a stool and fall off of it. And you're not going to hurt yourself very much if you're young and fit, but you might need help. And being having that detected and not having to, you know, just being able to try to reach your wrist to get the help you need, I think is, is a huge deal. And it's also a huge deal for older people who really huge. fall often and do really need help automatically potentially. So I I think this is uh, this is a uh, you know Apple is certainly doing some very interesting and have, getting FDA um, approval for these products is mm -hmm. kind of remarkable too. It, it is a huge deal. Now I do wonder if they work properly because I can't imagine how complicated those algorithms are to to be able to detect a fault. Even with all the sensors and everything, there could be a lot of uh, uh, mistakes that are being made in there. I mean, of course, they give you the option of calling somebody, but it does dial emergency after one minute. So I wonder if there's going to be calls to emergency that are false positives and there's going to be problems there. Hopefully not. Well, but I'm we'll sure see. Apple's tested this. I mean, I can see how you can implement that probably well. If you can detect the motion accurately that uh, matches a fall. And uh, think about it. If there's no activity for a minute, you might, the watch is getting zero motion for a minute mm -hmm. or very little motion, then I would definitely say that you're in a situation that you should call emergency, right? Because if you... If you're fallen and you stand up from your fall, it'll detect that and it will cancel the call, right? Because you, you, you're standing up again, yep. right? You're okay, right? But if you're not moving afterwards, I, I think it's a no-brainer to call emergency at that point. And yeah. I think that can be detected. So, But you're right. There's going to be some false positives. But you know what? I'd rather have a false positive, even if I get fined for calling 911 for the wrong reasons, <laughs> you know? Because what? You know what? Like... This is not the kind of stuff you want to mess no, with. No, no, but, but the risk in here is that there's too many false positives that Apple has to disable the feature. So hopefully it doesn't get to yeah. the point, but it could uh, happen. 
I'm sure they've thought about this and I feel pretty confident that they did it right. That's just, I mean, this Apple, this is one of the things that I think it's really rare that Apple messes this kind of stuff up. You know, they do sometimes, you know, antenna gate, a bunch of other things, screw stuff up. But I think in general, they are, I hate to say this, but as an Android user, but they do, they do, they, they do things, you know, they have a lot less uh, bugs in their stuff. Than- a, a lot of times they do it right, but yeah, they do something's wrong. Remember Steve Jobs, you're holding it wrong. Uh, yeah, so, exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah, antenna gate. I mean, look, you're right. There is a potential. So let's, let's watch out and see what happens. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so I mean, overall, you know, nothing, it's amazing to me how much leaked ahead of time. Like, yes. really, there was nothing new in this announcement. We knew everything that was coming. Well, the EKG, the ECG was new. I didn't, that was I don't new. think that leaked. So there was a few things. Now, what uh, about name, wireless charging? That was something that was missing from the announcement. Uh, there's no air power anymore. Is it going to be canceled? Like, what's going to happen? That's a good point you bring that up because everybody's scratching their heads about that. I think it's a typical Apple thing where they weren't able to do it in time or on budget and they're dropping it and they're, you know, basically letting it fade away without making any noise about it uh, because it's very on Apple to announce something and not ship it at all. Like, they have shipped the huge delays before yeah but this is kind of crazy and i really don't know what the deal is and um, i do have my hopes for wireless charging in general because what we have right now is not real wireless charging like wireless charges that is completely wireless i hope that we can get to the point that we don't need any cables and our devices are just charging when we are wearing them that would be fantastic right. absolutely um I'm look. I'm on board. I'm also glad that the iPhone XR has wireless charging. Uh, you know, it's finally there. I use wireless charging on some of my phones, and I really like it. So I, I'm glad to see uh, Apple. You know, kind of putting this across the board. I mean, they did it with the eight last year, but um, you know, it's 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 good. It's good news. Um, it's kind of weird that the air power thing's gone, but yeah. I think it's gone, and and just it's just the way it is. Um, yeah, so overall, you know, no surprises, same old Apple gouging people on price. But <laughs> look, if you're in the ecosystem, you're going to get a great experience. I had a few friends on Facebook that are no, you know, standard iPhone user, you know, complain about, "Oh my god, I need a new iPhone and I and I can't, you know, I can't believe that there's no more iPhone with a home button." And I'm like, "Well, so there <laughs> is. You can buy an iPhone 7 or an iPhone 8. Uh, if you really want to, I wouldn't." Uh, and I told them, I said, look, I would, because after I started using my iPhone 10, uh, I, it took me a few hours to get used to the gestures and the face ID. And I went back to using an iPhone 6 plus recently, just because I have one floating around and I tried to do something with it. And I was like, so frustrated with the user experience, the tiny screen, the having to use the home button. I just think it's the best thing that happened to iOS is yeah, having but, no home button. But so. change, change is difficult for people. Even my, my wife, she doesn't like change. She's not going to like not having the home button. And and it's just because that's the way she is. She, she used Windows for the first 10 years that we were together until I was able to bring her to the Mac. Uh, so change is difficult for people, and that's it. And I agree. I know that Theo, my spouse, is going to be, when they finally have to get an iPhone without a home button, they're going to be kicking and screaming. I know (laughs) it's going to be hard. Well, also, they're going to be really upset they can't get a small phone anymore. So uh, I I don't know. Um, 
I want to talk to about a few other things really quickly. I want to make some suggestions. Remember how I wanted to suggest some phones that weren't 749 or more. So obviously on the Android, in the Android world, you can buy phones for all kinds of prices. And in the past, they weren't very good. Unless you spent $500 or more, you weren't really getting a great phone. Um, now this is very different. There are a whole bunch of choices starting at around $200 that are really great. Um, the Moto G6 is probably the closest phone to a premium high-end flagship yeah. that's been reduced in every way, price, specs, and but not user experience, thankfully. Uh, and cost about two, a bit less than 250 mm -hmm. uh, It's a glass sandwich, aluminum and glass. It has a dual camera system that's okay. It's actually not horrible at all. It's probably better than what you have on an iPhone SE. Um, it has um, a fast enough processor. It's got a nice enough display. It's basically, I cannot recommend that phone more for that price. Also stock Android, which is really great. So there yeah, are phones but a warning there. though, a warning with the, the really cheap phones is that people don't know that they have to buy a phone more often because they're saving the money up front, but they don't last that long. Uh, the motor well, just, of course. Yeah. So. Although I, I mean, you know, the problem that's a problem with Android in general. I mean, the chance of the the G6 will the Moto G6 will probably get um, you know Android Pie, but I think it's not going to go beyond that, right? No, that's probably a, not. that's a general problem with. You know, that's why I buy Pixels or, you know, use a Pixel because I know I'm going to get the first version. Of, I mean, I'm running Android Pie on my Pixel for, what, two months now? Yeah. I, I, and, and I didn't even run the beta. This is the official version. So, I mean, that's one of the advantages. And, you know, but that's also changing. Uh, you, you know, think about this, Jose. Uh, a OnePlus 6 is a phenomenal phone for $503. It's a phone that rivals $1,000 phones and $750 phones any day of the week, uh, any time of day. And it as you can install Pi on it. It's one of the phones that uh, Google supports for testing uh, the beta of Pi. Yeah. So you can have Pi on that today. And of course, now that Pi is officially out, uh, OnePlus is working to make an official build for uh, that's not a beta, right? So I think there are, there are some phones that you can save a lot of money and get some seriously good user experience uh, you're making very, very little compromises of OnePlus 6. And the OnePlus 6T, by the way, we should just mention really quickly, is coming soon mm -hmm. and it's going to have further improvements over the OnePlus 6. But it will also supposedly, allegedly, lack one feature that I think is essential on a phone and it's the headphone jack. And it, OnePlus 6 has always made a bit fuss, like Samsung and LG, that they're not dropping the headphone jack, but it sounds like they're changing their mind with the OnePlus 6T. There are very, very clear rumors uh, from Carl Pei himself, the CEO, that the OnePlus 6T will not have a headphone jack. I'm really uh, why annoyed is that? With this. Is it to save money? Is it why? It, it, you know, there is the reason, the official reason is to save space and have a bigger battery, but I think that's bull crap. I do believe that they are just trying to save a buck because it's OnePlus and they're always trying to cut corners somewhere to save money. Like OnePlus 2 did not have NFC after the OnePlus 1 had NFC and the OnePlus 3 brought NFC back. And they, they brought it back because people complained. But I think they say, he cited that this is, a, I'm not sure this is like, you know, official citing, but apparently in an interview, he said that 65% of OnePlus users are using wireless earbuds or headphones. Mm. And because of that, they chose to remove it. 
Depending on how um, because, it's sa- because it saves money and it saves real estate and they put a slightly bigger battery in the phone. So, you know, to me, that's still weasel words. To me, that's still BS. I'm sorry. Like you could, you, uh, you could apply yourself and do both. The saving a buck per connector, I can totally see because it's very competitive, that price point, right? Mm-hmm. So if you had given me that excuse, I would have taken that and maybe accepted it a little better. But the space and 65% of our users, that's no, all no. a load of crap. Yeah. So I'm annoyed, but it's a newsy part of our week and I want to point that out. So yeah, you know. Yeah, I know the OnePlus is, is, is a great phone, definitely. <laughs> so so the, the joke is, are, are they going to change the name now? Is it going to be called One Max? Um, no, no, <laughs> no. That uh, everybody pretty much knows that they, they do the say, they do the number and the number with a T halfway through the year. They do two phones a year. I'm pretty sure it's going to be one plus six T. I'd be surprised if they change the name, and I'm be surprised if they you know uh, break any of the great things about the uh, the existing one plus six. There's rumors of the fingerprint pre reader being under the display, which could be a bad thing because usually they are a little slower when they're under the display mm-hmm. right now. But we'll see. You know, maybe they. Uh, I mean, BBK, the parent company, also owns Oppo and Vivo, yep. and they've made a bunch of phones now with under display fingerprint readers, not ones that we've seen here. But uh, you know, we'll see. And and supposedly the one plus sixty is going to be sold at T-Mobile stores, so they might actually get some pretty decent market penetration for once. Oh, interesting because. Uh, up until now, I believe it's a little bit uh, hard to get. I mean, it's not not anymore. Since the OnePlus 3, they've actually been relatively easy to get. Um, you know, there is always a bit of a production crunch at the beginning, but you can order them on their website and get it delivered, you know, overnight. Um, it's no lo- it's no harder to buy than a Pixel. Uh, so I think that's... And that's the other thing, you know, the Pixel is getting more expensive. I think the new Pixel is going to be very interesting because I think it's going to be the first Android phone that is sold in the US that has a, a full-on, uh, you know, d- a time of flight uh, face identification system like the Face ID system on the iPhone. Because a lot of Android phones do Face ID uh, or face authentication, but they don't, they use, they don't use, uh, you know, a 3D sensing mechanism. Yeah. They don't actually use the time of flight or a matrix projection or dot projection. So I think uh, I'm very looking forward to see what, uh, what, Google's got in store there because it means being able to pay with your face. All the Android phones right now, when you want to do touch to pay, you have to use a fingerprint reader or or type in your code to authenticate. You can't use your face ID uh, system to authenticate because it's not secure enough. So it'll be interesting to see what Google does. The only phone uh, from uh, an Android maker that has a, 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 a like a 3D depth sensing front camera for face identification is the Oppo Find X, and it's not sold in the West yet, and it doesn't really support uh payment through that authentication system because it's i don't think baked into the hardware and the software like what google is going to be able to do with the pixel 3 and the android p right so i i think that's going to be the big news on the the uh the pixel 3 pixel 3 xl and of course some more camera improvements on ai based camera improvements that i'm really looking forward to yeah and payments is something that i really love i, I used to use uh, apple pay i use it all the time oh absolutely, absolutely. It's fantastic. I get really annoyed when I can't use it. Yes. My biggest pet peeve is when I go to a place and they have a square terminal and they don't have the little puck, yeah. you know, the <laughs> little square thing to put your, to tap on or to put your chip card. I don't care about chip cards. I don't like chip cards. I don't use them. I use my phone and sometimes reluctantly I have to pull out my credit card for swiping because some merchants, oh, we didn't charge it today or, oh, we lost it or, oh, it doesn't work. It's like, 
fuck you. Like, I want to tap to pay. You are a tiny little box that you get for free from Square away to <laughs> giving me tap to pay. And because you're backwards, you're refusing to let me do that? Screw you. Now, now you, you travel between San Francisco and Portland, correct? Uh, is, yeah, I do. I do have two residences. Is there a difference between the amount of, of, of stores that have a tap to pay in San Francisco than compared to Portland? There's definitely more in San Francisco, but I think it's catching up really quickly. In fact, I travel all over the world for my work and I'm, you know, I see a lot more penetration of tap to pay everywhere. Uh, of course, China is a different world. I use WeChat Pay there and I'm in China. Uh, it's barcode based, so you don't really need NFC uh, for that. But, um, you know, China's got its own universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of other news items, I just want to quickly uh, mention that uh, LG has announced that their V40 flagship will be launched in New York City on October 3rd. Um, I'm definitely going to be at the Pixel event on October 9th in New York, but I'm not quite sure that I can stay long enough to do the Microsoft Surface event on the 2nd and the LG event on the 3rd and the Microsoft, uh, and the Pixel event on the 9th. I don't think I have the... Um, the uh, you know resources to be able to stay in New York City that long because it's very expensive to stay there. So I'm definitely making you know going to the Google event. I'm not sure I'll go to the LG event, but I'll keep you posted. Uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of LG phones. Uh, the V40 might be the first phone uh, that has in the world that has not just three cameras on the back because Huawei's done that with the P20 Pro, but has three cameras on the back where one is an ultra wide angle like they've done on their existing phones mm -hmm. at LG. One is a regular and one is a telephoto because until now, LG hasn't done telephoto. So having all three will be really interesting and a rumor that you'll have two cameras in the front as well for depth, just like the HTC U12 uh, Plus, which had dual in the front. So we'll see. But the V40 is interesting because it's going to be a sleek Android phone, you know, uh, with an almost full screen display and a notch and a whole bunch of cameras. And as usual, it will have the, uh, the incredible high-quality um, Hi-Fi Quad DAC from ESS, the dedicated audio chip with a headphone jack, because that's, that's LG's thing. They have the best-sounding phones on the planet for the last two years now because of their partnership with ESS. And if you're an audiophile like me, there's only one way to go, and it's wired. And there's only one way to go, and it's with, the, with a super high-quality audio subsystem. So I'm super stoked about... The fact that some people are serious about the headphone jack still. And OnePlus, screw you. <laughs> you know, and LG's <laughs> fantastic phones, absolutely. The issue with LG is the branding. They haven't been able to market themselves like Samsung has. That is, you know, it's a great phone. It's all over the place. Everybody wants it. Nobody really wants an LG phone on their regular population. And that's quite interesting. It's, it's disappointing, but look, the problem is that they sell them unlocked. It's really hard to get them unlocked. You pretty much only have to go, you pretty much have to go through a carrier to get their phones in the US. So you have to buy them unlocked, you know, from like gray market importers. Um, sometimes they make them available unlocked, but not always. And then the other thing is, honestly, you, the prices are a little high for what you get. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the LG phones are great, but they can't really, they're not in the same league as like a Samsung Galaxy and, yeah. and fit and finish and, and stuff. And and I wish they were because then the price would be justified. The good thing though, is that after a month or so, uh, they dropped in price really quickly. So you can generally get a, you generally buy them at a price that that is, you know, really what they're worth uh, pretty quickly. So that you know, that it's something to consider. Right now, honestly, the G7, last year, the V30 was the most under, like, 
the the most flying under the radar phone of the year. Mm -hmm. It was such a great phone that nobody knew about. I feel the same way about the LG G7 this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if the V40 is a return of that. Another awesome phone that nobody knows about and just flies under the radar and becomes a top five phone uh, for the year. You know, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, no, hopefully. Um, one last thing I want to mention before I get a chance to tell people where to find you. Uh, I want to talk about a camera I've been reviewing called the Psyonix Aurora. It is a, a night vision, low light champion camera. It is a, a action cam, so it's dust and water resistant. It, it's a, it looks like a tiny, tiny camcorder uh, from uh, about 10 to 15 years ago. Um, but it's still small enough that you could kind of mount it on a helmet or something. Not as small as a GoPro, definitely smaller than a phone, although it's, you know, it's thicker. It's more like a brick, right, and shape. It's not like a flat uh, slab. Um, and it has an incredible one-inch, 1.3-megapixel sensor in there uh, using black silicon, which is a kind of silicon that uh, uh, basically doesn't reflect light. And so it absorbs light like nothing else. It doesn't require infrared illumination. It just picks up the infrared from uh, the heat of things at night. And uh, it is extreme low-light photography, extreme low-light video. Um, the, I tested it at Burning Man. Um, I will be posting some photos on my, on my Google photo uh, stream and sharing that with you folks later. Uh, there's an unboxing video in the notes, in the show notes below. But what I'm, the takeaway is that this thing can see light in conditions that are kind of impossible for any other camera. It's impressive. It's crazy um, impressive. The problem is that it's low res, so things are, and it doesn't have good st stabilization, so things can a bit get a little blurry. Also, it's manual focus, so you have to kind of nail the focus. Um, but it's impressive enough that I think it's worth mentioning. And, you know, the P20 Pro beat it for me at Burning Man primarily because I wasn't shooting fully in the dark and also because of the night mode on the P20 Pro is unbeatable for stills. But for video... The the uh, Psyonix Aurora is, I mean, you can do video in almost no light and get something usable out of it, which is insane. And without, you know, it's this is not thermal. This is not using infrared illumination. It's just out of thin air, picking up pixels. Um, sorry, photons. It's insane. Um, so check it out. Check out my unboxing video. I'll try to link to my Burning Man photos as well so you can have a look. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to mention it because they sent me a review and it's, it's very expensive. 799 is a retail price on that thing. I don't know if it's, uh, you'd have to be a, a pretty specialized kind of photographer to get this. Maybe you hunt, uh, it, it's, it's a monocular as well. So it has an, an OLED, uh, viewfinder in it. So that's how you, you can look at it, just monitor, right? You don't have to record or take photos. You can look through it and it amplifies light just like a, a night vision scope would do. So you can use it for hunting. You could use it for, uh, you know, if you're like a, a crazy outdoorsy person. Um, so at that point, it's very specialized and I can see the 799, but honestly, it's a, it's a tough sell otherwise, especially for stills because a good phone like the P20 Pro can match it in low light for stills through its uh, computational night mode system. Anyway, that's the news this week. Uh, Jose, thanks for being on. It's fun. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, no, no, thank, thank you. It's, it's just fantastic. And, and yeah, having spoken to you in so many years, that is, is really cool to uh, get in touch again. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm really not doing anything public anymore. I'm doing a lot of uh, consulting for uh, Google Cloud. So if you're into infrastructure and stuff like that, and you want to talk about infrastructure, definitely look me up on uh, Twitter at, uh, at 
Jay Andrade, A-N-D-R-A-D-E. Um, of course, I love talking about anything about technology. I am a software developer too. I'm into Raspberry Pis. So any technology topic is good with me. But right now, nothing, nothing in communications or public. But still, look me up. Yeah, I mean, you should uh, definitely friend uh, Jose on, on Twitter. There's uh, some good tweets there. And uh, uh, we work together, uh, lots of depth of knowledge. Uh, you're pretty, um, that's why I'm glad to have you on the show, because you you are still super keeping track of what's going on out there. Thank you. And and yet, you know, while you don't have a public persona, you are connected. And I, 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 I really value your opinions. Uh, you guys know where to find me. I'm Tankerl on Twitter. That's TNKGRL, like the comic book character without the vowels. That's also <laughs> my handle on Instagram. And I'm on YouTube as well, but it's just my full name. YouTube.com slash Miriam Joar, Miriam with a Y. Um, there's a lot of videos that complement the podcast on my YouTube. So go subscribe, like the videos, tell your friends, tell your friends about the podcast. It's mobiletechpodcast.com. If it's something you just stumbled upon, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Slacker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, everywhere. Just uh, look up Mobile Tech Podcasts and maybe add Tankerl, TNKGRL to that in case you can't narrow it down because those three words are pretty popular in the podcast world. Um, and uh, subscribe tell your friends we want to grow this thing um, and then uh, I want to thank our sponsor Audible Audible is the uh, number one the, 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 the source of all audiobooks in the universe it seems so if you like audiobooks this is a place to go audible.com uh, I have a link for you in the show notes it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that is the URL you should go to to get a special deal. If you're joining audible.com, you'll also support the podcast in doing so. So I want to thank Audible for being a sponsor. And I want to thank Jose for being on the show. That was really awesome to have you on. Thanks for your thoughts on Apple and all things technology. Thank you so much for the invite. Absolutely. So stay tuned. We'll have another show next week. And uh, we'll see you then. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.